Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. I like how Andy said at one point, I think it was during uh, FFL, he's like, at this point, I'd rather just die. (laughs) (laughs) Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. (laughs) Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. I've been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Tuesday, December 13th, and the Take Bowl of 2022 is thankfully finally behind us. We will get to that one in just a minute. And, of course, the waiver wire. But we got some news to get through, and enjoying me to do that is the czar of the Superflex, Andy Barons. Andy, what's going on, buddy? Oh, I'll take czar. Um... I made some really bad super flex choices this week, so I, I probably uh, I probably can't actually uh, wear that title uh, authentically. I made some I made some you know Tyler Huntley decisions that were mm. regrettable in hindsight. Well, mm. I had people telling me that I should go Brock Purdy over over say a Tyler Huntley. Did I listen? No, I didn't listen. Well, no. well, that's a perfect transition for me to take a victory lap here uh, because in my Superflex Dynasty League, I think I told you this, you and uh, you and Dalton on the pod that I got Brock Purdy off the waiver wire and he was huge with the CMC stack in me beating Rich Rebar, who we're actually having on the show uh, later this week, uh, which is great. Come, It's nice to have for him to come here the week after I beat him in our <laughs> Dynasty League. That's great stuff. So look forward for Rich on the show later this week. But yeah, so I made some great Superflex decisions this week, so maybe I'll take the czar of the Superflex you title should, from you. you. But this, <laughs> this all beautifully transitions right into our first piece of news. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that BCB himself, Brock Purdy, will undergo an MRI on an oblique injury. The 49ers seem optimistic that Purdy's injury won't be a major issue, Andy. Um, Let's freaking hope so, because I'm about to just roll Brock Purdy out (laughs) over Aaron Rodgers in my Dynasty Superflex spot this week against uh, the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, um, it didn't seem to be like, what do I know? But it didn't seem to be troubling him that much after the game. He actually like he gave the press conference after the game as usual. Um, uh, who would miss that opportunity coming off the the game that he had against Tom Brady? Um, I, like, what what a story. Um, I know. Y- you know, each, each NFL season is obviously, like, weird and unpredictable in its own way. I, I can't off the top of my head remember a remember a story that was this like delightful that surprised me this much i mean i like again i'll repeat we're like we're like 15 months removed from brock purdy getting yanked from the iowa hawkeye defeat um because he couldn't stop throwing (laughs) interceptions and now like they're pulling him early in a in a just pummeling of uh, of the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. That was, I mean, that was just incredible. I feel like we didn't focus on that enough last night with Scott that they pulled Brock, like Brock Purdy had to get pulled out of the game. They, they yanked the entire uh, yeah. national market off the, off the TV. They're like, Hey, we can't let you see Tom Brady get his ass beat by Brock Purdy anymore. <laughs> okay. We got to we got to head you over to Sam Darnold and Geno Smith, uh, just throwing the pigskin around here on this other game. So it was that bad, uh, that beat down that they gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I mean, yeah, this guy, Brock Purdy, just fresh faced, looking young as hell. Uh, last pick in the draft. I mean, I think probably Andy because we 
have seen Kyle Shanahan do this with goofball quarterbacks before. I mean, you, yeah. your favorite player, Nick Mullins, uh, your actual favorite player, CJ Beathard, you know, these guys are, are all up there in terms of like yards per attempt. Talked about that on the show last night, yeah. but yeah, and that's your favorite. I know that's your favorite stat. Nick Mullins yards per attempt, like love this it. much in his first. Can't get you, enough. you absolutely love that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I will say this about Brock Purdy, like, this the stats are great whatever the eye test really almost was more important than the stats for Brock Purdy especially because they just ran the offense with this guy like there wasn't any sort of like all right and you know maybe that's a statement on Jimmy G whatever you can have the Jimmy the 500th Jimmy G debate right after you get done with the 300th Jared Goff debate whatever but um they just basically ran the same offense all the same motions all the same checks all the same adjustments and really Purdy had the one throw that got called back uh the interception that got called back from a defensive holding that I mean didn't affect the his decision at all but other than that like he just looked like a a guy that has been running this offense for for years yeah, um, t- I, total credit to him, right? Obviously, the the coaching staff has done a wonderful job with him, but this is, you know, an absolute tribute to to the work habits that he has that he's that he's got himself to this point where he can just drive the offense as soon as he was asked to come onto the field against a against a pretty solid opponent a couple weeks ago, and then again, first NFL start. This this is what we get. There were, you know, maybe there were some moments where it, it seemed um, a little a little frenetic, um, but everything worked right he's got enough mobility more mobility uh, surely than than jimmy garoppolo um that's an aspect to his game not that he's like some dual threat guy necessarily but he'll take off and run and he can do some stuff um and the the aggressiveness of uh of some of those throws i i mean it's just a great game i don't have anything bad to say about it like I, i i it's it is wonderful that this is happening it is pretty wild that this is happening the shot of his the shot of his dad like kind of got me, yeah. you know, um, it's a really nice story. Yeah, especially when we had to hear about 50 times uh, in the pregame that Tom Brady's from the Bay Area. You know, he's a yep. San Francisco fan growing up and all that. And then like, oh, yeah, actually, you know, it's a way, way cooler story than hearing about how Tom Brady rooted for the 49ers for the billionth time <laughs> in his career is like this guy, Brock Purdy's dad, actually losing it in the fa- in yeah. the stands. That was way cool to see love that hopefully Brock can keep it up uh it, again it sounds like this injury is is not a, a major deal you know um Austin Eckler has told us on this show before that like you typically don't feel those things because of adrenaline until the next day so that kind of makes sense god we're going to talk about a guy in a minute I can't imagine how he's feeling today but um you know yeah Brock Purdy sounds like he'll be okay for for uh for th- the Thursday night game against the Seahawks and you know Lord Podcast already planting uh, seeds in my in my brain uh after the show uh, li- late last night about like hey gotta start thinking about what if Brock Purdy is like really good like then they can let Jimmy Garoppolo walk and then we got a Purdy Trey Lance battle in in training camp next year a lot of stuff to consider uh also worth considering that Debo Samuel has a left ankle injury he's most yeah. like I don't th- I don't know if we even see Debo again the rest of the season um I mean the the 49ers have a 98% chance to make the playoffs according to 538 92% chance to win the division high ankle sprain seems like we don't see Debo the rest of the way yeah, um, it, it sure seems like a high ankle sprain, and he was obviously in a in a fair amount of pain. Um, I, like I hate to tell you to drop Debo Samuel, but we're I probably know, but... at a point in the season where I mean, the the likelihood of him making it back within the next three weeks just seems so low to me. It's really unfortunate. Um, for like the flip side, if you've got if you got Purdy, this is a little bit of a ding, but he's still the guy who's throwing a Brandon Ayuk. He's got George Kittle. He's got Christian McCaffrey. Like they. They certainly have the weapons to to cover for an absence like this. Yeah, it wouldn't be the 49ers if they weren't dealing with like a major injury. They also put a defensive lineman on a on season-ending IR this morning with an ACL injury. Again, very, very typical San Francisco 49ers things. But um, yeah, I mean, I really wish they wouldn't run Debo up the middle. I really wish they'd, they'd kind of stop doing that. But then again, I, I say that, but their rushing play with him or was their first touchdown you know so yeah. it is kind of, it's it's tough it's a tough spot there um but yeah we'll see again i i don't think we see Debo the rest of the season the guy i mentioned who i can't imagine how he is feeling this morning uh is mike white uh jets head coach wow. robert sala said that mike white is day-to-day with a rib injury our old colleague and friend kimberly martin posted a video of him on her instagram of, of him walking out of, and i probably on twitter too like on the uh like walking out off the field or walking through the tunnel or whatever and that guy was just like in so much pain um day to day with the rib injury we'll see we really just i mean it's crazy that we're talking about like man brock purdy keeping the 49ers offense afloat mike white <laughs> we can't lose this guy from the jets offense but that's kind of how it feels 
Oh, it is absolutely how it feels. Um, the guy, I mean, the guy's averaging 317 passing yards per game. Um, heroic effort returning to that game uh, multiple times, right? Um, the shot from Milano just seemed like it was going to be a, I don't know, a season ender. Um, that that seemed yeah. like uh, multiple ribs. Um, how on earth is he, uh, is he still walking? So that was really impressive that he came back. And obviously... You know, we we've got the fantasy value of of multiple um, entirely relevant Jets receivers. Uh, depending on this, we've talked uh, at, at length about the difference between Garrett Wilson with with White and Flacco and with anybody else, right? With Zach Wilson. So, um, and the, shoot, we just saw Elijah Moore see ten targets in this one. He's a thing again. Uh, all of this depends on the health of Mike White. So, hopefully, he's good to go. And the schedule is pretty delicious for the Jets the next three weeks. Super I mean, friendly. I- I know the Lions' run defense, especially, has has gotten better. I mean, they've shut down some big, big name backs of late. But you know, they get the Lions this week, then the Jags, the Seahawks. Like that should be it. Should be a print fest for the for the Jets receivers and stuff going forward. Corey Davis plays the concussion protocol. I know we'll talk about Elijah Moore a little bit later, but um, it should be great. We just have to have Mike White out there. I know the stats are still good with Garrett Wilson and and Joe Flacco, but. Andy, I mean, Joe Flacco against the Bills, good defense, but he looked like he was ready to be down yeah. there in Florida with the Treviso babe a few times when we saw him on, <laughs> we saw him against the Bills. He should be, he should be their next guest speaker. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Maybe we can get him for the Zoom uh, next year, the 45 minute Zoom QA. All right. The Falcons have made it official. They've announced that Desmond Ritter is their new starting quarterback. Arthur Smith did say this is a performance based uh, elevation for Ritter and a performance-based uh, demotion for Marcus Mariota, but also added that Mariota is going on IR with a knee injury. So looks like we'll get Desmond Ritter the rest of the way. How are we feeling? Uh, I know we haven't seen Ritter in the NFL. I know there are some folks that really love Desmond Ritter as a prospect. Um, how are we feeling about this guy taking the reins for an Atlanta offense? It does have some guys we like. Yeah, um, this is I, this is maybe not even damning with faint praise, but it can't get a whole lot worse than it was, right? Volume was really, really low, and Mariota was almost every game. There was a there was a game altering turnover, right? Like he was basically a turnover machine. So if if Ritter can just not be that guy, um, and they continue to do what they're do- like, they just do what they're doing without the the you know, fourth quarter turnover that flips everything and the early turnover that, you know, doesn't need to happen. And maybe that's asking a lot, actually. He's a he's a rookie. It's not like we're talking about some can't miss first rounder or anything like that. But interested to see him. Um, He's got he's got at least one great weapon at his disposal and he's got a great run game to to lean on. So should be fun. I wouldn't do anything with him in fantasy, um, you know, outside of outside of Superflex. I don't think he's particularly relevant, but um, he, he, you know, if there is a future quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons on the roster right now, it's this guy. It's not Marcus Mariota. And it's not like uh, the schedule is. I mean, just a clear runway for the Falcons. They get the Saints this week. Their defense is not as good as it should be, but uh, is is okay. Then they get the Ravens. Uh, they can certainly make life miserable for a young quarterback. They get the Cardinals. That's a good one on January 1st, uh, but still. So it's it's sort of middle of the road there schedule-wise. For, yeah, the, for the, the Saints are actually, like, last two games, they've, I mean, they've only given up, like, 30 points over their last two games, right? They've been playing a little bit more like the Saints defense. They'll, they'll get after a passer. They haven't been turning anybody over. And I don't, like, normally you'd say, okay here's a here's a rookie stepping in um we we probably want to stream a defense against him but i don't know like we also want to chase pass attempts when we're streaming defenses right and i don't right. it's not like i think ritter is going to put the ball in the air more than 25 times yeah that's a great point i think they'll remain pretty run heavy and just from him his, his own fantasy um stock he he runs a little bit he's a little bit of an athletic guy so um i think that that just should make the offense more intriguing yeah mariota was i mean he was a disaster he was the worst combination yeah. of not like a steady, accurate game manager and also turnover prone. Like you, if you're going to be like, you got to be at least Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're going to be turn like Jimmy's yes. more turnover prone yeah. than people give him, give him credit for. Like he's capable of making that backbreaking mistake, but at least he's like on, he's, he's a high on target thrower. He's pretty accurate. Like Mariota was not that he, I think I've said this before, but Mariota is probably like, the not outside of the like hilariously bad performances of Baker Mayfield and Zach Wilson, like he was probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL yeah. this year. So tough yeah, scene. I would I would um, agree with that. The uh 
the Falcons were not the only NFC South team that made a quarterback announcement today. Dennis Allen said coming out of the bye, Andy Dalton is still a starting quarterback uh, for this week's game against Atlanta. I mean, I know people are all like there's some there's definitely some segments of Twitter. A lot of Saints fans, too, that are like kind of up in arms about the fact that they won't turn back to Jameis Winston. But for me, Andy, I'm like, who cares? Who cares? Like Jameis is not going to be good for this team. Like Andy Dalton is not that good. But like he's I don't think he's actually been a like a disaster or anything like that. They just don't win games. And But I'm not 100% sure that's like Andy Dalton's fault, even though he is Andy Dalton. Yeah, it is impossible to say that the difference between Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, whatever it is, um, elevates the Saints into like a, a contender for, for anything right, meaningful, right. right? Like this is just, you know, uh, th- these are two roughly identical objects and we're talking about replacing one with the other. I don't think it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, and it doesn't make a difference from a fantasy perspective either. Like no. I think Andy Dalton's more than good enough for Chris Olave to do what he what he what he's doing right now. And he's, I I, th- I yeah. There's always this theoretical ceiling with Jameis Winston, but do you really want Jameis Winston out there throwing to like a bunch of tight ends like they have right now? Like you're not, he's, you're not gonna throw to Alvin Kamara. How do you feel about the 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 Kamara the Kamara thing now that we're talking about it? Just because like his we talked about this with Scott on FFL that. He has an unbelievable schedule here yeah. to end the to end the year. Obviously, it starts with the Falcons this week, and then he gets the Browns and the Eagles. Like you, I know the Eagles have done a lot to beef up that run defense, but still, it's it's you know on the season it's been bad, and it doesn't get much better than the Falcons and the Browns. Just, right, this offense should be really good to end the season, but uh, it's not been great so far. It feels like a million years ago, but there was a stretch in the middle of the season where, you know, and I realized that Alvin Kamara has been a little light on touchdowns this year, but he was piling up yardage for a little while before this recent spell. So can he get that back against Atlanta and Cleveland? I would certainly hope so. That's probably, you know, as you were as you were discussing Jameis and and, uh, Dalton. Maybe that's the one thing that uh, that sort of tilts this in the in Dalton's favor is that he has been a little bit more aggressive at uh, at targeting Kamara as a as a receiving threat, right? Like Jameis, uh, whatever you think of him, say, yeah. is looking downfield, right? Like Jameis wants to hit home runs a lot of the time, and he's not he's not necessarily the guy who's who's you know. Elevates your screen game. The guy who's looking for you know the the shortest possible route to Kamara that turns into a big gain. So I I think Andy Dalton's a little bit better for Alvin Kamara. So that you know the edge to Dalton there, I guess. Whoop de doo. Adam Schefter yeah. reports that uh, DJ Moore is day to day with the knee sprain that he got imaging on. It's not considered significant, according to DJ Moore himself. DJ had uh, no no catches uh, against the Seahawks, which was pretty troubling. Um, now he left the game late, though, so I don't know that this injury uh, had anything to do with it. But yeah, frustrating season for DJ Moore. And now he's got this knee sprain here to the end of it. Yeah, the the injury occurred while he was run blocking. I mean, his whole day was spent either running the ball or run blocking. Right, like they they. Yeah. pretty clearly wanted to just if they could have run the ball 60 times against Seattle they would have done it that was uh it was it was fantastic like it was a super impressive yeah. game right they got three running backs involved um not not exactly 39 not exa- carries between Foreman Hubbard and Blackshear I mean it was absurd and that is by the way like that's what Steve Wilkes wants them to be doing they want yes to run the and um I, it's it's something we'll bring up again as we as we get into some pickups. But like, you know, I was looking at, at Chuba Hubbard today. He he touched the ball almost every time he was on the field. Like there was yeah. no mystery to what Carolina was doing. Like Hubbard Hubbard had 17 touches and 23 snaps like there. You, you know, we're going to there. There's no misdirection there. There's no there's no confusion. Like we're going to run the ball between the tackles and you're going to have to stop this. With how conservative uh, the Panthers' offense is right now, obviously the Falcons' offense, and frankly even the Bucks and the Saints, like these NFC South games, and there's only two: the Panthers oh. and the Bucks play each other, the Panthers and the Saints play each other. This should, these games should be like done in, you know, like <laughs> th- two hours. These games should know, like, if any of these push three hour like length of time, it would be an upset. They just want to get they're, they're getting they're getting out of the season just as much as we want them to get out of the season at this point. Yeah, it should. It, they should be as close to like the one-hour condensed game that you can get on NFL.com as, oh. as possible, right? What a beauty! What a beauty! Thank you, NFC South, for that. If nothing else this year, thank you for that. Um, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that uh, Tyler Boyd, his finger could miss a week or two with that injury. T. Uh, T Higgins is also dealing with the hamstring. Zach Taylor said that T Higgins quote could play, but ultimately we didn't want him out there. Uh, in in reference to his 
troubling status uh, on Sunday. I definitely took a T Higgins zero in one league uh, and I lost a close game because of it. So that was tough, but uh, is what it is. Definitely a little bit of a problem here with these wide receivers in the Bengals offense right now. Oh, that doesn't sound like a total endorsement of Trent Taylor and and Trenton Irwin. Trenton Irwin, <laughs> who I only found out existed probably three weeks ago when I was like, who's this long-haired fellow that's not Hayden Hurst? Yeah. White, well, who's this long-haired white guy that's not Hayden Hurst catching passes over here? Uh, it's, oh, it's Trenton yeah. Irwin. Don't, let me tell you what, don't have an RP chart ready to roll on Trenton Irwin, I'll tell you that. That might be exactly what I said. I think I think I was watching it. I was like, who is imposter Hurst? What is what is going on here? Is that guy? Yeah, Hurst also uh, dinged right now. So a pretty heavily oh, yeah. damaged team. Um, but man, they got they got a healthy Jamar Chase right now. And he's looked awesome the last two weeks. So uh, that's that's been plenty fun. I actually had a couple of people reach out to me on Twitter who who asked like, what it like what is yahoo doing about this t higgins situation as if you know as if what people as if people who uh started him should be given some sort of compensation or a do-over or something like that like i oh, get it you're God. you're upset but like this stuff happens and it's bad and now you have an anecdote that you know the, re- the rest of us have, have accrued plenty of those over the years yeah it's terrible but like injuries are just such a huge part of the game I, I can't even I can't even with what you just said about yeah uh, two separate people, people ask me ask me versions of that question like like this is some commissioner dilemma or uh, you know uh, as if somebody should be allowed to retroactively like start a different receiver I get it if you if you'd known if any of us would have known that T Higgins was a possibility to just simply be shelved all game hey uh, it's I mean it's just terrible luck but that is a fact of life in the NFL. Yeah, this is this is the game you play. Like we've said many times on the show recently, if you think these injury reports are like a a biblical document, infallible document, it they are not. Uh, they're not because everybody would be listed on the injury report. I would shoot. At this point, I'd be listed on the injury report. My knee's not feeling so great. You know, these cold <laughs> these cold months here in Los Angeles can be break. But you're gutting um, it out, man. Oh yeah, what a hero. yeah. I'm gunning. I'm gunning it out right here in my podcast chair. Five days a week, baby. I'll be right here. Uh, all right. Last thing, Ravens coach John Harbaugh said to Tyler Huntley, quote, seems good to me when asked about his status for week 15. Okay, I mean, I guess he's in the concussion protocol. Apparently he can say the months backwards or whatever Harbaugh <laughs> was talking about today. Um, pretty still seems pretty. I don't know. He he seems like he's confident. Old John Harbaugh is confident that uh, Huntley will be yeah. going out there in week 15. I'm not as confident, but we'll see. Yeah, this, of course, is not at all how the concussion protocol works. You know, it's not designed so that as long as your head coach says, seems good to me, you're <laughs> you're able to play. That's that's yeah. maybe how football worked in like 1975, but that is not how it works today. Um, so I do hope Huntley makes it back because, you know, we talked about it last week. Last year, Huntley was like a very bankable 50 rushing yards and 200 passing yards um, and is a, a completely credible replacement for Lamar Jackson. But, you know, it's the concussion protocol and this is 20. 22 and i i would not necessarily expect to see him out there yeah i guess the uh mark andrews tyler huntley split bros will be able to write this one off because <laughs> huntley left the game early but he did only have two for 17 and wasn't doing anything when tyler huntley was yeah. in there uh so uh, but again i guess i guess they'll be able to say in games that tyler huntley you know started and finished or whatever you know this the splits the splits bros will will still be ready to split it's, it's going to be the man. played 75 percent of the snaps oh. played 60 percent of the snaps whatever yeah there it is that's a good one man when you start splitting the splits yeah. that's when you know you're in you know you're in some <laughs> high quality <laughs> you're in some high you're high tier like well elevated reached nirvana type fantasy stats. totally not cherry picking not one bit no no, no. <laughs> that's beautiful stuff all right Speaking of takes, speaking of big-time narratives and elevated analysis, let's talk about Chargers 23, Dolphins 17. We'll get into the Chargers part of this, but we'll start with the Dolphins here, man, because it's pretty funny that, again, I keep calling it the take bowl. Dalton called it the Acho bowl. You know, the fact that there was this big discussion about is Justin Herbert overrated? Is Tua better than Justin Herbert? If you If you told a human being or let's just say an alien from another planet that has no idea about football is not is not engaged in our stupid Twitter culture wars over these two quarterbacks for the past however long it's been going on if you told them this is a football game and these two quarterbacks were highly debated heading into this game they'd think you were crazy because Tua I mean 
it went ba- about as bad as it possibly could have been. At yeah. one point, he was three for seventeen. He finishes ten for twenty-eight, and his one big passing touchdown came. It, there was one play with Tyree Kill, uh, but for the most part, the big the big play was like a fumble recovery touchdown uh, with Tyree Kill there. So, pretty rough debut. Uh, pretty pretty rough showing here for the Dolphins' offense. I, I will say right off the bat, I watched this game at, at the bar. So if I get some things wrong, it's Brad Evans' fault. It's uh, and, and fair a enough. little bit my own. But uh, watch no, this no, one no, at the no. bar. Blame, blame it all on Brad. That's fine. Fair. That's fair. Um, it, I mean, it, it sure seemed like uh, the Chargers were successfully doing some of the things that we'd seen the week before against Tua, right? Like making the middle of the field really congested um, and causing confusion, uh, you know, dropping guys back at the snap of the football in a way that uh, obviously caused Tua to to delay a beat and sometimes throw it into a crowd. Um, you know, he he certainly risks some interceptions. He's, like, he's pretty lucky to come out of that game without several more interceptions. Um, caught, just caused delays in the offense. Couldn't obviously couldn't keep anything on schedule when you can't complete a pass. And and they're I mean they're really challenging to it right now. And I see no reason why this uh, this sh- shouldn't be the case moving forward until he proves he can he can do it successfully and read it quickly. Like really challenging him to to complete you know uh, uh, throws outside the numbers things that have not been like the hallmarks of this offense to this point in the season. But but he also just missed some stuff. I mean, there were he, yeah. there were big opportunities. As somebody who had uh, you know placed a, a prop bet on, which eventually paid off on on Tyree Kill longest reception of uh, twenty nine and a half yards. I kept waiting for the big play, and they were there to be had, and he missed a lot of them. So it was a combination of you know some things that the Chargers were doing, and then Tua just misfiring on some on some throws that he's hit all year. We also like really quiet um, Jalen Waddle day. And Waddle had, you know, again, I'm watching this game at the bar. I don't know what was said by the broadcast team, but th- there was a deep shot to Waddle uh, late in the game that seemed like it's like whistled right past his ear and he wasn't ready for it, right? That seemed like it was a very catchable ball. Um, so like he was not exactly covered in glory after this one either. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think all your assessments about two are, are pretty accurate. Um, you know, no, no tequila, uh, damaged takes there from you, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I, I wrote on my care, don't care recap piece. So like, I don't, I actually don't even really care at this point, like what the, what the dolphins have done prior to week 13, because that's like, like, great. Your first punch, your first move. Awesome. If you hit teams with that, fantastic. We know you're going to be great, but this is when teams and offenses, especially, really show you who they are and what they're made of. Like what can like when you've got to play left-handed, when you have to land a counter punch, like what is it? And can you land that? And now I think Mike McDaniel, I think Tua, all of these guys will be tested by defenses. Cause yeah, like there, a lot was, was made of like the physical press coverage they played on the outside. And, you know, I had somebody ask me in the middle of the game, well, like what are, you know, are Tyreek and Jalen Waddle like bad against press coverage? No, those guys, especially, especially Tyreek Hill has been an incredible press coverage beater basically since he hit the NFL field, even when he was doing it in like limited looks as a gadget guy as a rookie. He's an unbelievable technician off the line of scrimmage. And obviously, once he gets you free from the line, we saw it last night and we saw it against 49ers. Like you will get embarrassed at one like at least yeah. once per game. You will get absolutely like laughed out of the film room by whatever you did on Tyree kill on that one rep, but it's one play it potentially just one play one or two plays like they can score very quickly like that. And to the point that's like, you better build a big lead on the other side, which charges didn't hundred percent do missed a couple opportunities here and there. I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot with Austin. Uh, he loves, he loves talking about missed opportunities. That guy, I could, I was so <laughs> thankful when he punched in that fourth down uh, goal line score. I was like, Oh, please, 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 please just punch in the goal line. score. Yeah. Um, and he did, thankfully. But uh, yeah, I think the the Dolphins right now at this point, teams are going to play them like that. They're going to do. They're going to bring the robber safety down after showing too high looks. They're going to drop somebody back there. Like, and and I think this is all comes back to two. And like, obviously, he really trusts this offense, and and I would too with Mike McDaniel. But they're both going to have to adjust a little bit. And it's it's not unlike sort of. And I, it's very early to 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 say this, and I'm not saying that this relationship will end like the Rams McVay and Goff relationship did, but there were, were several times throughout the, the McVay Goff years that they had to come up with a counter punch. And sometimes it was like, let's take 
let's take things off Jared Goff's plate, obviously. Let's do less and less with him. Let's simplify the offense. Let's make it super constricted, super tight to the point that it was just that short little box over the middle. I don't I'm not saying that that's how this is going to go with Tua or again that that in a few years Tua will get publicly dumped like Jared Goff did in such a harsh, <laughs> f- vicious way in some back-channel Cabo uh, thing or whatever with a veteran quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. But, again, we saw in a similar dynamic there where quarterback was struggling, offensive play caller comes in with a lot of creative ideas, immediately elevates this guy, and was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I feel like we're seeing that a little bit now with um, with Mike McDaniel and Tua, and it will just be interesting to see how that goes going forward. And now you've now you've got Buffalo like on a short week. Right. Um, there's almost no way this goes well, right? Like I, I was talking about this a bit this morning. I don't. I, I haven't. I haven't ranked for uh, for week 15 yet. I can't imagine I'm going to have two in the top 12. And he's. I mean, he's been parked there for me basically all year. Certainly since the uh, since that Ravens game. Um, I, he's he's almost unplayable against Buffalo, like given the way things have gone these past couple of weeks and what we can reasonably expect Buffalo to do. And, you know, again, what like a short week for for those teams, really, really tough spot for him. Oh, man, we have a stupid not not a stupid party. Love these folks. Love, love my wife. Love having plans with friends. We have a, a <laughs> holiday cookie party to go to on Saturday night at five fifteen kickoff Pacific between yep. the Dolphins and the Bills. Oh man, I really don't want to be that guy, but oh, that's a tough one. So, anyways, love my friends. Love seeing folks. Love, <laughs> love the holiday season. But that's where that's where uh, that's where that's where my mind just went. But yeah, no, I agree. Like. You know, not a not a friendly uh, not a friendly matchup there for no. for for uh, for for the Dolphins, and then they get the Packers. That's great. They get the Patriots and the Jets, but that that test against Buffalo is going to be a big one for two. And I, I really I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how you would play two with any confidence there. Um, I mean, you're still probably going. I mean, you're obviously going to play Tyreek. You're probably still going to end up playing Jalen Waddle, but um, the running backs too. Like you know, Raheem Mostert, eleven carries, thirty-seven yards. The the Chargers defense just had a. This was a great in a sort of backed in the corner game plan moment for, uh, for Brandon Staley after he's taken a lot of public heat. And I think a lot of deserved public heat. Um, This is a great defensive game plan. He rolled out and obviously Jeff Wilson also gets hurt in this game too. Yeah. We, we pretty clearly learned that the Miami offense was going to, was going to tilt back toward the run game. Anyway, was going to tilt back toward Jeff Wilson uh, stuck with him after a fumble too. Right. Um, and then, and then he suffers the hip injury, just brutal. Um, looked like he tried to run it off on the sidelines and then eventually went on the cart. Um, and now they're down to, now they're down to Raheem Mostert. So he's, you know, uh, you know, as a player who's going to see the lion's share of the touches in the backfield, he's obviously somebody that is going to be elevated in the ranks a bit, but Wilson just did, just a huge loss for a team that needs all the weapons it can get. Um, and Tyreek like limps away from this game too. I, I assume that Tyreek is going to be good to go. It seems like a pretty mild low ankle situation, but um, a shoot, even on, you know, the second touchdown, he was, he was hopping on, on one leg into the end zone. Yeah. Didn't play the final drive. So that didn't look good. Waddle himself is just coming back from an ankle issue. Yeah. So they're, they're beat up team. Beat up team still have an eighty seven percent chance to make the playoffs scoring at five thirty eight. So um, you know that's that's great. Chargers on the other hand, let, let, we can talk about them real quick. Turns out Andy, it's a pretty big deal when and you have your two starting wide receivers back yeah. out there. I mean, this is the crazy thing about the Herbert stuff, man. Bro, like imagine. Uh, well, I mean, don't like don't even imagine Tua without Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. We've seen that story before, right? Imagine if Joe Burrow lost both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase at the same time, and it was like Tyler Boyd and, and friggin' Trent Irwin out there, you know. And yeah. like, by the way, that that's basically what Herbert has been playing with within Josh Palmer and like uh, Palmer. I'm not the biggest Palmer fan in the world. And he goes back to six targets and like, oh yeah, the offense looks great. This is the funny thing about fantasy, man. Like, and now I'm rant- I'm ranting. I don't mean to rant, but like this funny thing about fantasy is like, wow, George, Josh Palmer, you know, like, is he a guy we got to start buying in dynasty? He's had double digit targets. And, you know, he's back back this is many games. Yeah. And the offense sucks. So <laughs> what does that, what does that tell you? <laughs> now you get your guys back in there and the Chargers offense. I still, you could still complain about the structure and stuff like that. There's definitely some things to some nits to pick, but you get Mike Williams back, you get Keenan Allen back, things look a lot better. 
Yeah, that, I mean, they, you know, they literally replaced Keenan Allen, who's who's one of the most talented uh, and prolific receivers of like the last five years. They replaced him with like an old kick returner. Oh, <laughs> you know, boy. You know, that yeah. was the that was the replacement plan. So, yeah, shock, like shock of shocks. Um, the offense looks a whole lot better. Her, Herbert was great. Um, that was just sort of a, you know, the full expression of, of what Herbert can be as an NFL quarterback. He was fantastic. Um, Austin now up to 93 catches and we got, we got <laughs> four weeks left in the, I believe I that 93 receptions is a record for, um, a member of the Yahoo fantasy team. I believe that is a record. Um, well. and he's, he's also creeping up on, uh, Christian McCaffrey's, uh, uh, positional record for receptions. Like he's got a really good shot at it at this point. I know. And he hates it, too. That's the best part is like he comes on this podcast like basically every week and is like I'm and is decrying the fact that he's got to catch so many passes. Right. Like, uh, you know, he talks about even this. I tweeted a clip last night from the show about how, you know, people talk about Justin Herbert's stats. It's like <laughs> he basically is like, yeah, why do you think Herbert's stats are down? He's got to throw the ball to me a bunch. <laughs> Which, again, it's just so funny when we parse these things out uh, statistically <laughs> in fantasy. And meanwhile, Austin's like, get the ball, like get the get the catches off my plate. Uh, you know, not that he's <laughs> trying to get responsibilities off his plate, but like, yeah, get those balls down the field. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah but look, it just I think as long as Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen are out there, they're they're certainly every week fantasy starters. And it just makes a huge difference to go from, you know, goofballs like especially i mean god love deandre carter but come on man like how about you stay on your feet on yeah. that fourth down call there how about you do oh my gosh. how about you yeah. <laughs> run a route to the right depth once please uh but yeah it's a uh, it's just it, it's been a tough scene a tough watch all year long for the Chargers offense and again it's not perfect still not a fan of of, of their route combinations still not a fan of some of the stuff they do on offense um they certainly are never going to get like their full offensive line back because uh, you know rashawn slater's out for the year but Man, it's just this is much better when you have your pass. This this offense asks a lot of its wide receivers and asks a lot of its quarterback. And when they have the wide receivers out there to do it, it looks a little bit better than when they don't. Can I can I just toss in one one additional thing on this game? And I didn't again, I was at the bar watching this game, so I didn't appreciate it in real time until I got home and I saw the clips that Armstead play where he like flips the ball backward yes, out of the scrum. I know to Tyree kill is one of the most impressive things that I've seen this season. That was incredible. Uh, that's why you sign a veteran like Toronto Armstead right there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it in real time and I was like watching the game. So I didn't realize it until I think I saw Hayden Winks tweet about like tweet the clip yeah. out this morning. I mean, wild stuff there. Right. And of course, uh, then you've that's something you've immediately got people talking about, you know, from a fantasy perspective. Like, I don't get the points for the yards. I only get yep. the points for the touchdown. It's like, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait now, friend. You better not be complaining about that. OK, seriously, you benefit swore, from that play. I don't I don't want to hear a thing. I don't want to don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Also, points. like, yeah, the one guy on the on the Dolphins who does a damn thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> you got plenty out of Tyree Kill. I don't want to hear any complaining. This is an anti getting greedy podcast here uh, mm-hmm. from a fantasy perspective. But all right. The take bowl is in the rearview mirror. Um, again, I it's it's laughable coming out of that game that it was even like a, a discussion point. But I, I just hope that again, I hope the Dolphins can figure out a counterpunch because I love watching great offenses and great schemes. And I think the Dolphins have been a great offense and they've been a great scheme. Um, but now we're gonna again, we're gonna get to see what the counterpunch is for Miami. And I do have a lot of faith in Mike McDaniel that he can come up with it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mike McDaniel is such a is such a likable coach so far. And, um, you know, obviously a, a gifted coach who's been waiting for a long time. And I, you know, I have a fair amount of faith, obviously, in him and also in Tua. I mean, I like I think yeah. they've built a nice offense around Tua. And I think Tua, while he's not exactly, you know, no two quarterbacks share the exact same physical traits like they're different guys and they've built different systems around them. Um, I, I, You know, it's a couple bad weeks, but it doesn't mean that I don't think Tua can can't like can't possibly be massively successful in the NFL. I certainly think he can. I'm I'm just sort of anxious to to watch and and see how they how they adjust because they clearly have to adjust. Yeah, to I mean this is a bad performance uh, against a defense they they should have exploited, but like mm-hmm. one game doesn't define an NFL quarterback. Just like yeah, you know, with any with any of these players, any any NFL player, and and I think yeah, Tua is certainly capable as well uh, to to adjust to this. And he has a, he has a lot of strengths as a player. They're just very different and less um, 
Yes. He's just less impressive than, than Justin Herbert, but that that's fine. He can still be a good quarterback in his own right. Again, these guys don't all have to be compared to each other all the time. Um, it was just obvious going into this one why that was going to be a discussion point. But all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll run through the very exciting and thrilling waiver guys we have to add this week. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, Andy, we're back. Little piece of breaking news right before uh, we finish that Chargers recap. The Dallas Cowboys are making a veteran addition at wide receiver. Andy, can you believe it? It's happening. They signed T.Y. Hilton. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I like T.Y. Hilton. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, this is from Ian Rathport right before again, like right during the middle of that Chargers segment. Not the veteran wide receiver anybody expected them to add. Um, this definitely makes me think they probably aren't going to add Odell Beckham, but I, you know, I'm making this point now recently. I don't think this offense really needs like Odell Beckham. I don't, certainly no. I don't think it needs T.Y. Hilton. Like, no, Brown's giving him good play, and you know, I was I, I rankled uh, Gabe Davis and, and weirdly anti-Josh Allen Twitter this morning, uh, tweeting about like how these these guys in Buffalo have not been not been great, you know, uh, of late. And I, I think it's a bunch of like, I, I think it's a bunch of Jags beyond Stefan Diggs, to be honest. And, you know, somebody brought the point up like, oh man, what about the Dallas crew? Like Dak is basically doing the same. It's like, yeah, but I think Michael Gallup, like when he's healthy is a legit number two receiver. I don't think Gabe Davis is that. So I don't know, not to do the Gabe Davis thing, but like the Cowboys have a pretty good supporting cast. I'm not a hundred percent sure like T.Y. Hilton's going to come in here and, and, handle a big role much less do i know that he's even capable of that at this point yeah mike michael gallup has had an 1100 yard season right like we've seen michael gallup we forget how good he is yeah 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 that guy's had significant success in the nfl and gabe davis is still a guy who's had some huge weeks right but it's more in the i don't know he's still kind of in the in the will fuller pile for me right like we haven't seen him string together you know month after month of of high level performance all right. Well, that's enough of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, we'll see. I, again, I don't think he uh, I don't think he's going to have a big role. I don't yeah. think it's a thing worth talking about, but interesting signing nonetheless. Uh, let's move right into the waiver guys this week. Andy, let's talk running back here. Uh, we've got a we've got a Chiefs guy right at the top. Yeah, just for the just for the sake of having somebody actually like super interesting in this conversation, I wanted to I wanted to lob <laughs> Jarek McKinnon out there in part because um, first of all, you probably can't get him in Yahoo. Um, he's sixty two percent rostered in Yahoo right now. Um, he's he's been on rosters for a while in most of those leagues too. Uh, obviously, he's coming off a, a terrific game. One of them was like one of the touchdowns that he scored, just an absolute improvisational miracle from Patrick Mahomes. But hey, he like he's going to play with Patrick Mahomes all year. Um, that's that's life with the best quarterback in football. Um, finishes with over 100 receiving yards. Um, he is obviously the primary receiving option out of the backfield, and it's it's just Pacheco and McKinnon. They got Houston next, so it's a great matchup. Um, but he's you know again, you probably can't get him in our platform, but but just looking at some of the roster percentages elsewhere, like he's he's down around like 35 percent rostered in ESPN leagues. And I, to, to whatever extent people listen to this podcast who actually play on other platforms, he's much more widely available elsewhere. So um, he is a good name to throw out there. And, and I think he's probably, you know, given the the offensive environment in which he plays and some of the matchups coming up, you know, they've got Houston and they've got Seattle and then they've got, you know, Denver again, the team that they just, uh, you know, ported on against. So he's got nothing but good matchups ahead. Uh, any sort of PPR league. Uh, I think you got to have McKinnon on a roster. I'm going to speculate that not all of our listeners are 100 uh, percent Yahoo exclusive. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to speculate uh, that that's the case. So that's good stuff to, to bring that up there. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, we talked about earlier. He's the next guy on your list. And I mean, look, like I said, the Panthers want to establish the hell out of the run and um, they're, they're pulling it off. Yeah, um, they are a team that is seemingly going to go into games wanting to run the ball 40, 45 times. You can't do that with one guy. So Deontay Foreman is still the primary running back there. And yet they've been able to feed Chuba Hubbard um, 17 touches in each of his last two games. 
And he really, he really had a nice day against Seattle. Um, not a, you know, degree of difficulty matchup necessarily, but, uh, you know, he goes over 90 total yards, scores a touchdown. And, um, yeah, this is, this is exactly what Carolina wants to be mentioned it earlier. I just, I just always find it funny when like a guy plays again, like a guy only plays like 23 snaps, but touches the ball almost every time he's on the, he's That's on the amazing. field, which was, the, which was the case for Hubbard. Like they're not, you know, they're not trying to confuse you with what they their their intentions are to run the ball, or at least they were against Seattle. And it seems like it's going to be like that going forward. He's got he's got Pittsburgh coming up and that is, you know, kind of a middle of the pack run defense. And then he's got and then he's got Detroit. And that's been a, a relatively friendly matchup all season. So the matchups aren't bad. The run's going to be in play uh, in part because the Carolina won't have it any other way. Um, so I think Hubbard is interesting. Like if you're if you're listening to this and you're a playoff team, you're probably not going to be leaning on Juba Hubbard. But it's you know, it's worth talking about all the guys who are seeing uh, this many touches. Well, yeah, and just on the off chance that, you know, Foreman, he had a foot problem coming into this week. If he yeah. gets hurt again or something like it, you know, I think Hubbard's probably, I don't know, maybe graduated to the flex with benefits type of category, right? Where he could, you can play Chuba Hubbard and not feel totally embarrassed about it based on the workload that he's gotten the last couple of weeks in a good matchup. But also, yeah, Foreman goes down. Then he's he's a guy that you would start with confidence. Uh, so, yeah, you want. And speaking of which, the next three guys in your list are kind of in, in not not in the flex with benefits category, but in the stash yeah. category here. Yeah, you would absolutely not start any of these guys with confidence. Um, I, I wanted to I wanted to call attention to the fact that uh, Alexander Madison's roster percentage just goes down every week, which is not the mm. way it's supposed to go this time of year, right? Like I I get it <laughs> if you drafted him and you and you dropped him when, you know, you hit a messy bye week early in the season and like he couldn't help you because he wasn't starting. Like I get that. But we are in the time of year where you want to fill your bench with lottery tickets. You want to fill your bench with God. Like you should know what your starting lineup is, right? You're a good team. You've made the playoffs. You've had the last month or so to sort of figure out what your your starting roster is going to be in December. And then the bench spots should be guys like Alexander Madison, where like if, you know, yes, he's a contingent value guy. But if anything happens to Dalvin Cook, he's like, I mean, we've seen it in years past. Like we he's a known quantity. He's going to be 100 yards and a touchdown. Right. Like and he can catch the ball. He's going to be he's going to be like 95 percent of Dalvin Cook, um, which is great in fantasy. So this yeah. is exactly the type of player who should be on rosters right now. And I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that he's not at like, you know, 70 percent, 75 percent rostered. I feel like guys like this should you know, their roster percentage should be climbing this time of year, not not going down, but in fact, it's going down. So that's a little, uh, that's a little disappointing. He's got, he's got the Colts. I mean, he's got these guys coming up. He's, you know, if all goes well and nothing happens to Delvin Cook, then Madison won't be relevant. But if he becomes relevant, he's like a top 10 fantasy running back. Anyway, they've got the Colts coming up. They got the Giants. They got the Packers. These are friendly enough matchups. Yeah. So good, sl good slate of games if he falls into a workload. Um, Tyler Algier, another name that I'll, I'll be writing about it just a little bit this week. Um, he's, you know, he's 10 carries and like 55 yards every week. So that's not terribly exciting. But if but if anything were to happen to Cordero Patterson, uh, then uh, the workload goes up a little bit and he gets a little bit more interesting. But he is he is definitely someone who already has a little bit of a role. So in a very deep league, you know, if you're if you're in the sort of league where anybody getting 10 touches um, is is relevant to you, uh, then keep his name in mind that. The other situation that I feel like we ought to hit on, and I don't have a good answer for it, is um, the Damian Pierce ankle injury. It, it yeah. seems like it's a low ankle issue, and maybe he'll be fine for the week ahead. Maybe there's nothing to worry about here. He's got Kansas City coming up. Um, but he did try to come back into the into the Cowboys game, and he couldn't go. Um, and they pulled him. The problem is when they pulled him, it was just, it's a little bit of Rex Burkhead, and it's a little bit of Eno Benjamin who didn't do anything. Nobody right. did anything. And it's uh, Daria Gumbawale, right? Like they, It was like a three-man uh, uh, weave, and nobody did anything for fantasy purposes. And I think yeah. I think Damian Pierce is a pretty unique talent there. So I I probably wouldn't take a shot with anybody here. If I did, it would probably be like a zero dollar offer for for Eno Benjamin. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of universes where I'd feel like, okay, even if I know Eno's the guy, I'm starting to be against the Chiefs. I'm starting yeah. to go against the Titans, you know, like so. Um, 
I think you could probably stay away from that one. But I agree. If it's if anyone's going to do anything, it would probably be Eno, who you know, I still don't know why the Cardinals cut Eno Benjamin, but uh, would love to find out at yeah. some point. Um, next group up here, wide receivers. Certainly some intriguing names on this list. Uh, yeah, I think it has to start with DJ Chark, um, who's played, you know, these last three games. He has a couple of touchdowns uh, in each of his last two games. He's gone over 90 receiving yards. Um, he he got deep against the Vikings, um, connected on a, a long touchdown with Jared Goff. Goff certainly playing very well right now. Um, and this is just, you know, this is, a, this is like three games in a row with serious target totals for Chark. Yeah. Um, he's found the end zone. He's been productive in each of them. This is also a situation where, like, the Week 15 matchup is not ideal. It's the Jets. The Jets have been, you know, tough secondary, tough defensive front, like, tough everywhere. It's a good team. It's a little bit of a look ahead because because the Lions have the Bears in Week 17. So, uh, you know, maybe you're a stacked team and there's no room for DJ Chark in Championship Week if you get there. But that is a that is a golden matchup. That is a wonderful matchup, and it makes it makes every Lions receiver um, certainly on the map. Amonara St. Brown is gonna is gonna go crazy in that one. And like Chark is playing really well. I mean, Goff is distributing the ball to everybody. Everybody in a Lions uniform is getting targets right now. So I I can't guarantee that it's going to be like a 12 target game, 14 target game. But he's playing so well. It's such a friendly matchup. It's, um, you know, you can afford to look ahead a little bit to the best possible uh, uh, matchups in title week. Other names that I think are interesting at receiver. We talked about Elijah Moore earlier. um, Corey Davis in the concussion protocol. More, more coming off a game with 10 targets, like, you know, Mike White playing really well um, when he's healthy. So, and then, and then you mentioned the schedule upcoming for the Jets. It's the Lions, it's the Jaguars, it's the Seahawks. Like, this is a really friendly slate of games. And if there's any chance that Elijah Moore is going to step into, you know, a half a dozen or more targets per game, he's he's really interesting to me. Uh, McCole Hardman is uh, probably coming back, if not this week, the following week. Um, but there was some optimism, you know, last week that he could return from IR. And I just want to remind people that, like, he he was a big chunk of the Chiefs goal line offense before he uh, yeah. <laughs> before he suffered the injury. Right. He had like five touchdowns in in the three games prior to prior to hitting IR. So he's really interesting to me. And then a couple other names, both rookies, Jahan Dotson, uh, in the, in the game before the bye against, against the Giants saw nine targets, found the end zone again. It was a great game for him. Uh, and and now he's got the Giants again, uh, coming back from the bye. Um, and Alex Pierce is out there. I I don't know if you can bank on a Colts receiver in, in the fantasy playoffs necessarily, but they do have the Vikings coming up and, uh, that obviously a very good matchup. Yeah, Alec Pierce against the Vikings, that is interesting. Um, can Matt Ryan actually get the ball a little bit more downfield than normal right. uh, against a bad defense? Like, yeah, he's he's run into some tough defenses and tough pass rushes of late, uh, obviously against the Steelers and the Cowboys, like in primetime slots. But um, I think Matt Ryan will still be starting for the Colts. Like, I don't think there's any need for them to go to Sam Ellinger again or something like that. So, um, yeah, no, that Pierce, that Pierce one's pretty interesting. But I, I like all those receivers there. Um <laughs> It's going to be hilarious when McCole Hardman uh, is back and, and plays and Kadarius Tony still doesn't play. That, that, yep. will, that will be that will be pretty hilarious. All right. Quarterbacks, Andy, we talked about a few of these guys on the show already, but run through them here. Yeah. Um, who am I to stop you from adding Brock Purdy <laughs> at, this, at this point? It's it's an incredible you, you story. You have been fully converted from uh, like a, a big time skeptic on Thursday to a true believer. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's a trait that I feel like you have to have uh, if you uh, work in sports generally. And certainly if you're a fantasy analyst, like, I don't know, you get you get new information. You got to change your mind, right? Like this is, this is two really good games that Brock Purdy has played. <laughs> I I was no, I was no fan of his as a college player and saw a lot of him. You know, he, he couldn't he couldn't beat Iowa to save his life. But he again, there he was absolutely demolishing uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and Tom Brady. Like, what a world. And, you know, the, guy, the guy's been aggressive. He's not, you know, he, he's certainly not afraid of the moment. Like, he's he's met this moment in a huge way, and he's obviously been coached up. And he's the guy who gets to throw to Brandon Ayuk and Kittle and, and McCaffrey. So it's a, clearly a great situation. He's got Seattle coming up on Thursday. Again, the the one thing with Purdy right now, he's got the oblique injury. It seems like it's going to be fine, um, but you know that's that's obviously a thing to monitor. But really fun story, fun situation to tie yourself to. And then uh, two other guys at quarterback, obviously Mike White, assuming he's going to be good to go after just getting crushed time and again uh, by the Bills. 
things really open up schedule wise for them. It's Detroit, it's Jacksonville, it's Seattle. Those are friendly spots. The guy's averaging over 300 passing yards per game this year, and he gets to throw to Garrett Wilson. Like that's a that's a really good situation. If I have to add a third here, it's probably going to be Ryan Tannehill. It's probably not going to be Baker Mayfield. It's probably going to be Tannehill. Uh, he's he's headed into what what could be a bit of a shootout against the Chargers. They allowed him to throw the ball 38 times last week in a comeback effort against uh, against Jacksonville. Doesn't happen very often for Tannehill. He's not a volume guy. Um, and hopefully he gets Traylon Burks back. If he does, then he's got some weapons. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of Ryan Tannehill's weapons uh, in tight end, Chig Okonkwo, uh, I'm such an idiot. I picked him up off waivers and then forgot about it and i didn't start him over dawson knox on that t higgins team and i probably would have uh probably would have won if i just played old oconquo but man i mean the guy's been unbelievable of late yeah it's you know again it's a low volume passing offense generally but this is this is 16 targets for him over the last three games so it's not like you know it's not like a single week in which he just happened to happen to spike um, Dalton was all over him in the preview podcast last week. Yeah. Shout out to Dalton. Good call. Um, finishes with a touchdown and a two point conversion. Uh, there's, there's no path here for him to, you know, he's not going to see 12 targets. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be the centerpiece of the offense or anything like that. But, um, you know, again, friendly spot coming up against the chargers. So he's definitely somebody that, uh, that I think you can take a look at, uh, two other, two other tight ends. Well, really Houston one the week after end. too, by the way. You, yeah. So, yeah. Mean, oh, it's... absolutely. Like really, really good spots for him. I also want to mention Taysom Hill. Uh, cause, cause he's fun to talk about. He's weird. I don't really yeah. know what he is in real life. Is he a running back? Is he a tight end? Is he a little bit of a quarterback? He's all these things. He's whatever, he's whatever you, you need in any given moment. Um, he has eight combined touchdowns on the year. Um, it wasn't all in that Seattle game. Like he's done other things. He has five rushing touchdowns. He has two receiving touchdowns. He has a passing touchdown. If you think of him primarily as a, as a rushing threat, um, he's got Atlanta and Cleveland coming up, right? right? Like if yeah. he's, if he's getting, I don't know, a half dozen carries in each of these games and those carries are occurring near the goal line, some of them, like he's a really good bet to score in each of the next two weeks. Um, so I think Taysom Hill is super interesting. Is he a little bit of a cheat code? Sure. But I think he's interesting right now. And just because I feel like I should include a third name here, I'll just mention that Tyler Conklin has been targeted 15 times in the last two weeks, hadn't done anything with him. Um, but he's tied to the Mike White experience and that's pretty good. Yeah, and that schedule that we keep talking about, um, pretty good there. Uh, all right, let's move on to our drops and our hold on loosely candidates. I'll get us started on drops here. We said we talked about Tyler Boyd, the injury up the top. I think mean, go ahead and like you can you can cut Tyler Boyd. I mean, obviously it's more aggressive to cut a guy like Debo Samuel, but I'm with you that I think he's a guy you can drop. We're probably not going to see yeah. him the rest of the regular season, but yeah, I mean Boyd, look like he hasn't been doing that much anyways. I think he's like. He would he's out he's over his skis if he's asked to be a wide receiver too. Like when T. Higgins was out, was it was the wide receiver one and Chase was out. You don't really, really want Tyler Boyd doing that stuff anyways. But now if he's gonna miss a couple weeks, just go ahead and drop him because you're probably you're never gonna feel good about starting him anyway. So um definitely like it's pretty interesting. Uh, like lack of lack of supporting cast, a lot of injuries there for uh the Bengals with Joe Burrow. But yeah, I think Boyd, you can go ahead and get rid of them. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. He's not, you know, a player of the caliber that you you should really wait for, right? Like if he's if he's available yeah. next week, fine. But like I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't that this is not the type of player that you stash for a couple of weeks hoping that he hoping that he comes back well. Um my guys I, my my guys are almost any Raven. Um and I, I see oh, him on yeah. the most dropped list right now, right? Like I'm there, there was there was a moment there where it seemed like they were going to try to build the entire offense around uh, Demarcus Robinson. He had like three quick catches right out of the gate, uh, but then almost nothing the rest of the game. Devin Duvernay, uh, nothing. Um, Kenyon Drake isn't relevant anymore. Justice Hill isn't relevant anymore. Right? Like I, I you know, we haven't talked about J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Um, Dobbins had a great game, but also looked you know, like he's lacking a gear or two, um, you know, had the, had the long run that he couldn't finish where he, where he almost seemed to pull up. Um, so I don't think he's like fully operational JK Dobbins just yet, but he did, he did handle a big workload and, uh, the numbers were there in the end. So I, I think almost any, you know, outside of Lamar and, uh, Andrews and, uh, uh, you know, JK Dobbins, you can cut virtually any Raven. Yeah. Gus Edwards was like making his way, um, making his way into some of uh, the 
start sick questions on FFL Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, man, if J.K. Dobbins is back there, like this off this yeah. offense is not at, in a theoretical world. You can get these two guys firing at the peak of their powers, but like nothing. I mean, it is crazy how nothing has gone right for the Ravens' offense <laughs> this year. You yeah. know, I was tweeting i mentioned earlier i was tweeting about like the bills guys this morning and i at least got a few ravens fans like yeah that's that's cute that gabe davis isn't what he what he was cracked up to be that's cute that isaiah mckenzie is 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 like a is a jag or whatever why don't you come look at what we're dealing with over here and it's like i get it bro you've i it is possible like it's possible to say one thing is not that good and also acknowledge that yes what you are dealing with is legitimate i mean it's hor- it's horrifying the, yeah. the ravens offensive roster right now especially without lamar is horrifying and like the guy that these guys that were supposed to be centerpieces have all dealt with injuries. Dobbins didn't come back the way they thought. Bateman out for the year. Mark Andrews has certainly been banged up all year long. I mean, yeah, it is. It's a it's a horrific scene over there for Baltimore. Let's just get that straight. Yeah, the the names are all terrible, and you, you'll feel better about your roster if you just if you, like even without a corresponding ad, just drop some of these guys. You'll yeah. feel better. Get a defensive streamer for a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, Why don't you just go ahead and do that, and that, you, that's better than having Demarcus Robinson or or. Devin Duvernay on your roster. All right. Hold on loosely, candidates, Andy. Um, you've got an interesting one here uh, that, that people have been uh, barking up your your tree about. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think we'd have to talk about Mike Evans uh, in in this segment in particular. But I actually, you know, I, I do a, a regular hit in Miami on Mondays and I had somebody ask, is it time to drop Mike Evans? And at some level, I get it, right? Uh, man hasn't scored a touchdown since like week four. Um, right. The best play he's had all season was uh, over was negated by penalty um, just this past week, right? Like he finally God. connects with Tom Brady on a long touchdown and they call it back. Um, we've been waiting for that all year. He's been, he's obviously, he's been out of sync with Brady all year. He himself, his hands have not been like fully functional this year. He's dropped some balls. Brutal year for Evans. Uh, he is still coming off nine targets. He he is still Mike Evans. That like he has that whole history behind him. He's <laughs> yeah. still a wonderful red zone target. Like I I don't know if you're in an eight team league and you only start two receivers. Uh, maybe he's droppable, but he's still gonna he's still gonna rank as a as a top twenty four wide receiver for me. He's not you know, he's not a circle of trust guy anymore. Um, there are some rookies that I have well ahead of him right now. I have right. Godwin well ahead of him right now and have for the, for the past few weeks. But I like, I think for most of you, he's not yet a drop. If he crams two TDs in against the Bengals or Cardinals, the next couple of games or God forbid the Panthers on January 1st, like you're, you would be 0% surprised, right? Like, yeah, not at all. Not at all surprising. I mean, the guy, had a, the guy had a million touchdowns last year, right? And he's a wonderful red zone target. So like if, if that, yeah, I don't know if, if his season corrects over the next uh, four weeks, that wouldn't be a bit surprising. By the way, um, just because Dalton's not going to be on the pod this week, <laughs> Dalton, bro. Dalton's not going to be on the on the pod this week. Uh, and we're talking about Mike Evans. You know, I, I, Andy Dalton and I have a lunch bet on who scores more fantasy points between Mike <laughs> Evans and Gabe Davis. I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> Gabe Davis, one hundred twenty four point six. Mike Evans, one hundred twenty eight. Uh, oh and literally. Gosh. Evans is wide receiver 22 and Gabe Davis is wide receiver 23. It's like there are actually no winners here because neither of these guys have been like great fans. It's not like, oh, you tailed Harmon and you got Mike Evans. Great <laughs> stuff. You tailed you tailed Dalton. You got Gabe Davis. Great stuff. Like there are no winners here, but it's hilarious how close it is. Does uh does week 18 count? Is this like the one thing you're going to have on the line in week 18? Oh my god, I, I gotta I guess I have to clear that up with, with Dalton. We didn't specifically say it, just like who scores more fantasy points is he? Um my god, if if Gabe Davis for whatever reason goes ham in week eighteen, <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. Uh, like either either one of these guys totally saving their season stat line in week eighteen, it just feels so right to me. So I would I would clarify. I think it should well listen, because Mike Evans gets the Falcons in week eighteen, I think it should count. And and the Bucks will certainly probably <laughs> play some more week eighteen. No, you know what? I'm not don't I'm not gonna clarify this with him. But again, he's not on the pod this week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and assume week eighteen counts. Uh but just based on look, it was never it was never specified. Yeah, if, I, if I had the judge wig here. Season. If I had the judge wig here, I would bang the gavel right now and roll in your favor. 
Oh, well, then that's all I need to know. That's what you say. Uh, my, my guy, hold on, Lucy, guys. Uh, I put George Pickens, Steelers players here. I know Pickens has had a frustrating last couple weeks. Like, oh, the squeaky wheel narrative for George Pickens ends up being like, oh, he gets seven, like, well, like 78 yards or something. <laughs> and that, by the way, is like an eruption game in the Steelers yeah. offense. So um, just you got to take that victory when you can. The schedule's pretty good for the Steelers, though. They get the Panthers this week. Their defense is the better unit of the of the two operations there in Carolina, but still a gettable. They get the Raiders on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I mean, my God, like that could be a big Pickens game. Maybe Deontay Johnson finally scores a touchdown against the Raiders. <laughs> and then the Ravens, like again, we've seen that their their cornerback group can be exposed. Again, this this eruption spot, 78 yards did occur against the Ravens. So there still might be interesting um there's still there still might be some interesting moments here for Pickens and spots you might use him. Yeah, it should be well established at this point that I can't I can't really quit George Pickens. I I love him. I'm I'm resigned to the fact that it's probably gonna you know we're probably not gonna see George Pickens really uh, have a blow up uh, in any meaningful way until next season. But I you know I want to be attached to it. I am I am pretty deeply invested in this player. Yeah, with again with the context of it's the Steelers' offense, you got your blow up game when Deontay Johnson actually had eighty <laughs> plus yards and George Pickens had seventy eight yards. Like that yeah. is an eruption spot. Um, anyways, let's uh let's just do our Treviso Babes update and get out of here, man. There's really not much to say. Um, these these ladies are not making any uh, crazy drops, and at this point, like crazy drops are are to be expected, right? Like we're t- hey, we're telling people to drop Debo Samuel, Tyler Boyd, stuff like that. So. There's really nothing crazy to report out of the Treviso babes. I mean, T- Taysom Hill's been added. Denise, Denise, you're in last place and adding adding uh, Taysom Hill. That's a uh, that's a tough scene. Uh, that's that's when things are that's when things are not good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bit controversial. But I I mean I suppose I appreciate somebody who just wants to you know run through the tape, uh, finish out the season on a high note. But uh, I would ju- I would just say you know maybe because these these uh, women have not been through it before. Like if you're out of it, you're in the consolation bracket. Maybe maybe don't place waiver claims. Maybe maybe let the playoff team sort that out. To be I fair, there's was, no last um, place punishment a, here, right? Not that I'm aware of. It was a free agent ad, not a uh, not a okay. waiver ad. Uh, so okay. look, the other other people had the oppor- the grand opportunities to pick up Taysom Hill, and Denise is just getting <laughs> ahead of it here, dropping Corey Davis on uh, on Monday morning to add Taysom Hill. So yeah, I get I get that, but um yeah, just update on my mom's team. She took a loss this week. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, I'm I'm hoping Ramondre Stevenson on Barb's team just goes crazy tonight, so that I don't have to feel bad that like my minus four uh, points from the Tennessee Titans, my recommendation on on her, my mom's oh, streaming defense ouch. this week during yeah. her hellacious bye week run ends up costing costing her the week. But um, yeah, talk about somebody who's frustrated with Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans might be my mom's least favorite player, unfortunately. Uh, and this is a four teams make the playoff setup, right? So, uh, four she, teams, still... four, four teams make the playoffs. Um, and you know, yeah, so we've got a couple of weeks to go here. I kind of have no idea how the, uh, four, well, four, so four weeks, the playoffs are, uh, what, like week 16 So we've got one, one week remaining in the regular season for, for your mom. So next week, surely a must win week. Got to win next week. Again, a lot of guys are coming off by week for her. So that's good to see, but Yes, it will. It will be coming down to the end here because she'll drop to eight and six uh, this week. And old Barb, I mean, she just beat her. She might be jumping her in the standings. Uh, Julie, she might be jumping her in the standings. You never know, man. I mean, this is again, this is going to come down to the end here in the Treviso Babes League. But uh, yeah, was hoping for a better week 14 performance from my mother's fantasy team. We didn't get it. So tough scene. Bar- Barb and Julie, they're the ones we got to watch out for. P- plucking that fourth fourth spot here from my mom. I feel like we got to get a we got to get a camera on Bev uh, for for week fifteen for the for the emotional roller coaster that this is going to be. Oh man, um, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think emotionally I'm ready for that. So uh, we'll see what happens here. <laughs> good luck uh, to my mom. And good luck to all of the Treviso babes as they continue to make their fantasy championship push leslie's about to run away with this team this league dude she's gonna go to 11 and 3 she won again last week leslie's the champ leslie's the champ bro she's she's already apparently my mom says leslie's already like oh i don't know if i'll play next year maybe i'll just be a coach <laughs> you know after if I w-. i'm like hey you got some anything can happen one game elimination leslie don't, just, don't rest on your going out on top quick. going out on top yeah i've mastered this thing there's nothing else you people can teach me i've won i'm out 
No, that's the way to do it. All right, that is going to do it from us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons if you don't already. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following at Yahoo Fantasy Austin Eckler, key of the fourth down conversion touchdown. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the thrilling and stressful win over the Miami Dolphins. Until then, we're out.